There are fewer than 30 men in the world qualified to drive Formula One. A mere half dozen, perhaps, to win. At this moment, I'm inclined to think you're not one of them. This is Desiree for F1Weekly.com. I'm your in-depth correspondent. Let's go. Welcome to F1 Weekly. My name is Clark Rogers. I'm the host of the program. I'll be joined by Nasser Hamid, my co-host. This is podcast number 960, October 10th, 2022, Nasser. Arigato, Clark. I say Land of the Rising Sun delivers... Championship sunset for Ferrari. Gasly going home to Normandy and Nick DeFries gets a full-time seat in Grand Prix. We shall explain gladly. Back to you, amigo. Thank you, Nasser. On today's program, Max is a double world champion and LCH shoots a warning shot over the bow saying, He'll be back. Did the FIA do a good job in Japan? Ocon does a Fernando... And the W Series runs out of money. And just a reminder, we need your contributions. Keep this program up on the servers. Just click on the Support F1 Weekly tab on the front page. You know you want to. Nass, welcome to the studio. How are you? I am doing very good, sir. We had a thriller like a Godzilla in Japan. Man, what a weekend we had. What say you, senor? Well, it was a pretty exciting weekend. The only thing that was missing was Godzilla versus Mothra, or at least a Perry Mason impersonator. But besides that, it was glorious, except for one thing. And you know what that is? That is the delay. It's delay, delay, delay. I know, and I'm believing that we are now so safety conscious that it's over, really. It's formula three-quarters now. What do you think? Totally agree with you, sir. For me, it was a long Saturday night. I started, you know, the race here was at 1 o'clock Eastern Standard Time in the morning. So I started watching the Bathurst 1000 from Australia at around 8 p.m. FLA time. And then around 11 p.m., I set the alarm clock for 12.45 a.m. for the main show at 1 in the morning. And then, like you said, it dragged on and on and on. But it turned out to be a thriller like Godzilla. The Japanese Grand Prix was turning into chaos and confusion. I really think so. Red flag, tractor on the track, cars racing after the checkered flag. We had it all. And I understand Mr. Hose watched the Grand Prix with some sake. Is that true? Absolutely. I polished each little kernel myself. The process was intimate and loving. But yeah, lots of delays, lots of waiting. And you know what happens. You know, you set up your DVR, you pick these programs you think is going to cover it, and you're always wrong when they start delaying like this. Man, 
thank goodness I had the foresight to know chaos would come and record 16 other shows afterwards to get the entire machismo. And you know, as far as this uh, safety issue is concerned, I saw much later on YouTube the view from uh, Gasly's cockpit and that you know truck or tractor, whatever it was. And I just could not believe it. I'm going to tell you something. A couple of years ago, I was watching a race. It was a junior series racing, and it was a fast left turn. And the cars are coming at pretty fast speed. And there is a tractor on the side of the track and a couple of marshals walking. And my first reaction was, did they not learn from the Jules Bianchi tragedy? And it is happening at the same track, same circumstances. And my understanding is almost at the same location. I mean, what, what are they looking for before they say, oh, we need to be more careful? Yeah, it's pretty frightening. And we're not sure. And it's interesting because the Japanese, you know, they tend to be very thorough and organized and efficient. Well, uh, you know, my understanding at all these uh, events, everything is managed and conducted by FIA or Formula One people. Uh, so nobody will move unless they are given instructions. But to put a track on a live track, you got to be kidding me. I mean, it's just unbelievable. I mean, it's, I mean, did you see Pierre Gasly? I mean, sometimes the audio was not available, but he was super P.O. God, what the, what the, yeah, what is this tractor? What is this tractor on track? I'll pass next to it, like, this is unacceptable. Talking to his team, and who can blame him? And the FIA is going after him, and I guess he has to share some blame too because he was driving at over 120, 50 miles per hour, and maybe that's slow for Suzuka. But common sense has to prevail, man. Last thing we need another tragedy like Jules Bianchi, and then then they just stop the race when there is a. You know what is interesting? They are policing these. Uh, you go over a line. In practice qualifying, you get a penalty. I mean, and we're going to talk about this, what happened at the end of the race also. I mean, they're so concerned about safety. And then we see a tractor or a truck or whatever it was in zero visibility on a live track. Who's making uh, decisions here? That's what I want to know, Mr. Rogers. Well, I believe the, the thing to say is heads will roll because, yeah, that was a big one. Gasly was right. When there's a death in the family, people remember. For God's sakes. Don't, I mean, it was terrible. I was actually quite shocked and stunned. And it took me a while to realize I was going back and forth from computer to television. And the computer, of course, reported the tractor before the TV. So you didn't get the sense of seriousness for quite a while. But indeed, and that Rolex sign shouldn't be able to be in the middle of the, the track. It, those things should all be tethered accordingly. Yes. For, for once, we are in total agreement. That's a first in a, quite a while. Yavol Maya. Yes, sir. But, sir, before we delve into Wasabi, which was all over the track, let's do a quickie on Kali. Okay. Close but no Monte Cristo cigar for Leclerc as Max pips him to pole position by 0.010 second. Number, I believe this is his 18th uh, pole position. 
in the fast and very exciting times of Mr. Verstappen. Carlos Sainz Jr. qualified third, only 0.057 second behind Max. And very impressively for him and Collie, this was his 13th top three qualifying effort for the mini macho hombre de España this season. So the prancing horse does have the pace and they've got jolly good jockeys. I guess what we need at Maranello Start Farm is a little more action, a little less chaos, especially after the king of chaos has left the barn. And that was Zinger of the Day, brought to you by Pringles. The chip is back, Mr. Rogers. Toto sent it back to me. Thank you very much. Mercedes drivers were 6th and 8th on the grid. LCH ahead of Russell. Sebastian saying sayonara to Suzuka fans. Qualified ninth, And it was very nice to see uh, Sebastian Fertel being so passionate about the uh, Suzuka circuit and racing in Japan. The other talking point from qualifying was Lando Norris taking evasive action to avoid Max, and Max avoided a penalty, which is good because we don't want rules and regulation ruining racing, which we shall revisit on the final lap. And sir, here was, I don't want to say my favorite moment, but pretty amusing moment. Mick Schumacher doing a Maldonado and crashing out in free practice on his way to the pits. Mick may have daddy's blood and DNA, but he definitely does not have Papito's performance. As they say in Deutschland, Traurisch Abawar, sad but true, in plain simple Das English. And you know, Gunther Steiner was very quick to bring out his HP calculator and said that's another half a million dollars in damage. It was a pretty big shunt, I think. Uh, your take on the Kali, sir, and Mick Schumacher situation? I thought the quality was outstanding, pretty exciting stuff. I don't know about anybody else, but I've noticed that the Renault Package, even though maybe now a little less reliable, has got some performance. They're outperforming McLaren, and it certainly shows in qualifying and in the race. I am very proud of what's happening at Alpine. They're finally listening to me. Forget reliability. Go with machismo-ness. And yeah, man, for a minute there, Alonso was P1 for, for a little while. But it was an exceptional performance by El Macho. And, of course, Max, he had to get pulled. Japan, Honda. You know, it's funny. He does what he needs to do. Max is comparable to Schumacher. Well, you said he had to do something in Japan and Alonso. Well, a magazine also made a reference to this. But uh, going back a few years, so I don't think we want to talk too much about that. Your take on Mick Schumacher's situation, sir, slipping and sliding. Yeah, I thought it was hilarious. It was comical. Listen, I mean, he obviously is a little bit like Leo Manzel. A little red robin probably flew by and he thought, oh, look how pretty. That's how it is with these young, loving, happy kids. Well, at least show him some respect and call him Greg Mansell. If he was Leo, he would be like outside the 110% rule, let alone 107. You know, I was thinking about the 107% rule just the other day. Those were the good days, weren't there? When, when we had people literally five seconds off the top 10. No, we don't want slugs in Formula 1. We, we want, definitely want more cars, but 
fast cars. Okay, so now let's switch to the race itself. Moi says, and I'm pretty, it's a, this is a no-brainer, most will agree, Suzuka and Spa are two great tracks. Last year at Spa, we did not have a doozy of a race. We had an Edsel. Sunday, Suzuka came close to doing the same. When you have more water on the track than in a bowl of miso soup, you know what that means. Me, so unhappy. But then again, every Formula 1 race cannot be Monza 1971 or Dijon Prenois 1979. Once again, just like last year, Max is champion in dramatic fashion, but on both occasions, very, very deserving. They say rain is the great equalizer, but in Max era, rain or shine, from the hills of Arden Forest to fake marina of Miami and the sands of Arabia, little wings given by Red Bull to little V allow him to basically destroy any and all competition. His pass on Leclerc at the start had all the hallmark of what the greatest of greatest in Grand Prix racing do. Did somebody say Donington 1993? But, you know, there's always a flip side to every story. Sooner or later, somebody is going to start saying he has the best car and the best luck. Best drivers get the best cars, according to the great Austrian philosopher Toto Wolff. They also get a teammate, and this is where the greatness is displayed. Number twos, they work very hard and do their best. But performance-wise, they remain number two. Your thoughts on Max's performance, sir? Unreal. Passing on the outside like that, it was just... And it's hilarious because he just basically gets in the car and gets the job done. And, and you just look... And, and while you're watching, you go, you're going, Shazam, Shazam, Shazam. I am now getting more convinced. I used to say... Two people can beat him in a competitive car, Lewis and Charles. But I'm now thinking that Charles needs half a second car faster, or maybe three-tenths faster than Max to beat him. This this guy is just on a super hot roll. And it's just like, you know, the McLaren Honda days with Prost and Senna, the Shumi glory days with uh, Ferrari, and then, you know, the domination Lewis had with uh, Mercedes and also Nico. Uh, this is just... Uh, you know, it's interesting. People want, always want an end to a dynasty. Uh, same guy is winning all the time. It changes, but then the guy who brings the chain keeps winning all the time. But, you know, we're racing fans. We're going to enjoy as long as the best man on the track is winning. We don't have a problem. And if the best driver turns out to be a lady, more power to her. We will still enjoy it equally, maybe even more. So that's all very, very good. Okay, sir, speaking of number two, Checo put intense pressure on Leclerc late in the race. And just when it looked like championship may be decided in Austin, Leclerc let it slip on the final corner. He crossed the finish line second, but a five-second penalty dropped him behind Perez, making Max win the 2022 championship. This is the 12th time championship has been decided at Suzuka. Some have been more famous than others. Sir, I did not look at the times, but I heard that despite finishing second and putting a tremendous pressure on Leclerc, Checo was about 30 seconds behind his teammate. 27, yes. Max was in another planet once again. It's crazy. Yes, yes. And it's, uh, that. yeah, as long as, I'll tell you, man, 
when these teams, whoever they are, when they dominate, they do stay very strong for three to five years. I mean, it's looking more and more likely, and Dr. Marco is planning on meeting, or may have already met, Honda people in Tokyo. Uh, if Honda stays, I, I think this guy is going to have, you know, he has over 30 wins. He's going to have 70, 80 wins in the next two, three years. I mean, the way he's going. And we have four more races, right? Indeed. Okay. So he, he all he has to do is win two of them, and then he will set a new track record of 14 wins in a season. Just uh, very, very impressive. And, uh, you know, I cannot believe my luck that uh, I started following when Jackie Stewart racing, 1973, and I never thought somebody will beat his record of 27 wins. And since then, we've had the Lauders and the Pross and the Sinners and the Schumachers, Nando's, the LCH, and now we have somebody coming in, Formula One at the age of 17, and boy, there is no stopping for stopping. So more power to him. Okay, sir, Leclerc, at the start of the race, he got ahead of Max, briefly. And I thought maybe he'll at least lead for a few laps, like he did in uh, Miami. But Max took care of him going into the first corner. What was very impressive, both of them pulled ahead of the rest, and then Max said sayonara to Charles also. I am hoping, because Leclerc is a good kid, uh, that he can win a race or two in the remaining races, but I wouldn't bet any leaders on it. Let, let me ask you a question. Do you think Max is going to slow down just because he has not won another championship? Oh, no. I think he's going to actually go faster because now he wants to put his stamp of authority on that championship, you know, where you just keep winning. You're a machine. And at the end of the season, he'll pull a mask off of his head and it'll be Arnold Schwarzenegger. Uh-oh. But I will say this, you know, winning 10 races against Lewis Hamilton is far more impressive than winning 15 races this year, if he gets that number. Uh, so this this is an incredible, incredible racing talent. And uh, I'm going to enjoy as long as he's racing and as long as I'm breathing. So looking forward to more exciting motor racing. Okay, now talking of Lewis... Man, how sad it was see, to see the once almighty Mercedes with only driver in history with over a century of wins not able to pass one-hit wonder Esteban Ocon. Lewis would get side by side, but the pace was not there to make the pass, and there was no DRS. Mercedes has been outpaced in engine performance by Honda and Ferrari, and now they are struggling to get ahead of Alpine. The change has come. Best finish of the season for the French team, based in England, with Ocon taking fourth ahead of LCH. But wait, there's more. Misery loves company. Machismo, to borrow a phrase from him, he fought like a lion, but was unable to pass the car he will be driving next season. So Sebastian Vettel was sixth, and Nando seventh. George Russell was 8 and a wee bit P.O. with his team over execution of his pit stop. He needs to understand royalty gets special treatment. His glory days will come after 2022. You know, it's interesting. Drivers like Irvine and Rubens Barrichello, they get into Ferrari when the team is in their winning cycle. And they get in the car and they look to the left or the right 
and see the second car has the name Schumacher. So you know the party is over right there and then. And then we had the case of Valtteri Bottas driving a Williams, no chance of winning, coming into the all-conquering team and then realizing who the teammate is. And now we have uh, same situation. George Russell came into a team that was uber-dominating and he has done a tremendous job where he has done better than LCH, but doing better than LCH and finishing sixth is not going to get you on cover of GQ magazine or Penthouse if they're interested in that. What say you? Well, yeah, I, I could see where he was super frustrated. And of course, Toto's love is on LCH. I mean, LCH has brought them a lot of glory, and that is all normal. I think George realizes that, and you know what? Just hang in there. You'll learn from LCH. You will learn from Toto, and you will become the dominant one when LCH leaves. Well... Well, he's not leaving. He said he's going to stick around for another five years. LCH and Fernando are going to be playing scraps in the back of the Formula One paddock when they're like 50. Yeah, you know, I, I was surprised when the Toto said Lewis may stay for another five years. But I, one thing is for sure, it may take, if Mercedes is not going to do much here now, there are only four races remaining. But next year, if they don't come back stronger with the competitive package, I will be very, very surprised. And if he's staying for a th- another three, four years, and they can somewhere along the way provide him a competitive package, I would love to see him get championship number eight. And I will not be surprised, if you and I are still around, that Max retires with 150 Grand Prix wins and nine championships. It's just, you know, I was thinking the other day, I was at a media room some years ago at a Formula One race. And Jacques Villeneuve was walking, you know, he does commentary for Sky TV, Sky Italia. So he was walking in front of the, one of the walkways or whatever, passed through a lot of people. Nobody even looked at him. And I saw this thing when I first started going to races in the U.S. in 1985. I would go to Laguna Seca every year and Long Beach almost every year. And I, it dawned on me. Once a driver, but talking about race winning, championship winning, Indy 500 winning driver, once they are yesterday's news and not winning or have retired, very few people care about them, which was very sad. You know, these are legends of the sport. And you look at now, I mean, sure, Nando and Lewis are still in the news, but people in the news, making the news are Max and Shaw. So that's, uh, that's just the way it goes. But Mr. Rogers, for me, the real ninja warrior of the race was Gotifi. Not only he collected a couple of points by finishing ninth in tricky conditions, which in itself was quite an achievement, but hang on to your Hancocks. Believe it or not, he had the fastest time in the speed trap at 308.9 kilometers per hour, which is just over 160. I was mighty impressed by Latifi, I have to say that. Do you think this will be his crowning achievement after three years in uh, Formula One, apart from his contribution to Max's first championship? I suppose. I mean, this guy does nothing for me. I'm happy that he's well off and will never have to work. He'll become a Canadian commentator or something. I, I have no clue. Maybe he'll start his own karting school or he'll buy a Fernando Alonso franchise. Well, you know, his, his father 
bought like a 10 or 20 percent of McLaren Formula One team some years ago. Terrific. Yeah, I think somebody like him should buy a... Remember Charles Peak, French driver. He raced in Formula One with Catrum, right, if I'm not mistaken? Indeed. Yeah, and uh, he's, got, he's from a rich family. His family owns a trucking company. So he has now bought the uh, Dam's Formula 2 team. I think Latifi should do that, something like that. You know, buy Scuderia, Alpha, Tauri, or Sauber. Papito will buy, and he can be the Nicholas Carlton Bond of... Uh, Sabar once again. Okay, sir, the papaya people, Norris and Ricciardo, were 10th and 11th. Despite all the rain and confusion, only two drivers failed to finish. Sainz Jr. and Alexander Elbon, and both of them were Sainz was out on the opening lap, and uh, Elbon, I think, was out within a, another lap or two. So that was the way it was, man. Uh, I'm glad everybody is safe and okay. Great race. I'm, I'm glad we got something uh, going because, you know, for me to get up at one o'clock and watch four hours of no action would have, you know, ticked me off also. So I'm glad we got a race in. Any final thoughts from the Grand Prix of Nihon, senor? It was exciting. It was wonderful. It was 28 laps. We had under an hour to go when they finally decided to go. I expected half points because I did some math and I go, well, we'll barely go over half the race distance. So I figure half points, but apparently the loophole was there. Boom, Max, as Johnny Herbert was talking to him, the news was whispered in ears and you could see the news bouncing from ear to ear and it finally got to Johnny Herbert and he I could tell he was going, wait a minute. Then everybody went, wait a minute. El campeón del mundo. What I heard from one of the you know, broadcast people is that they awarded full points because half points are awarded if the race is stopped and not restarted. But, you know, there are way too many rules in Formula 1 right now. So uh, I would rather see a race finish and I know what happened instead of five hours later or two days later. But Nass? I, I got to cut you off. The FIA virtual break time is now flashing. So we'll be back after this brief message. Are you in business and want to make a hard-hitting visual impact that gets your name and message promoted? F1 Weekly knows from experience that the creative team of Keaton Designs are graphic design geniuses and a company that can give your brand a visual pop in a cost-effective way. Contact Keaton Designs at KeatonDesigns.com for visual messaging solutions that get your business image seen. Welcome back to F1Weekly.com. Clark Rogers here, your host. And now, as we spin the globe and go around the world with Motorsports Mondial and the king, the sultan himself, Nasser Hamid. Thank you, Mr. Rogers. And today, we're going to talk about some driver movement, some history stuff, and some racing from land down under. Big movements in the driver market. Alpine going total Francais. Next year, we will have two Dutch Dynamites in Formula 1. And LCH wants to get ahead of the 8-ball. Like I said, Toto is saying, five more years. Okay, let's take a look at Nick de Vries. Nick de Vries has been rewarded for his very impressive Formula 1 debut at Monza. While some experienced drivers spend half of season adjusting to the brake pedal, 
De Vries was up to speed, whatever that is in a Williams, in nick of time and basically expedited the departure of Nicholas Gotifi from the team. Nick, meaning Nick De Vries, was super impressive and I remember following his career in karting days because he was making such a big, such big waves. He was expected to race through the junior series like a hurricane, but McLaren jettisoned him from the driver development program when he took three years to win the very basic Formula Renault 2.0 Euro Cup Championship. It took him same number of years to win the F2 Championship. But perseverance, as proven by Paris, has a place in Formula 1. They say in a song, heaven holds a place for those who pray. Well, Formula 1 holds a place for those who perform. Or the devil shows you stairway to Indy cars or Formula E. And nothing wrong in racing in these series. These are still very big professional series. I very much hope this opportunity works out for Nick and he establish himself as a bona fide, well-deserving driver in Formula 1. Now this is interesting. This year, apart from racing at Monza, he also drove uh, for Aston Martin in first practice at Monza and tested Mercedes of LCH in practice at Paul Rica. You know, he's also one of Toto's uh, members of the Toto's Wolfpack just like Esteban Ocon and Botas. So this guy certainly has an eye for talent. And of course, we have George Russell. Now we come to the French all-French situation at Alpine, Ocon and Esteban. Both these young drivers are from the Normandy region of France, as is Alpine, which started out in Dieppe. Sir, have you ever been to Dieppe? No, I have not. Okay. When Pierre was nine years old, his parents bought him his first go-kart from the parents of his new teammate. Over the years, their relationship has been as cordial as Nico and Lewis's in 2016. Now they are driving for a factory-supported French team, and there better not be any storming of Viry Chatillon. Otherwise, bossman Laurent Rossi will read them the right act and send one of them packing like he did with uh, Pross. Both drivers are race winners and have quite a bit of experience in Formula 1, so it's all up to the team to provide them the package so they can deliver success to the Enstone based team. Now, this is what Gasly said, and I quote, It's a big change in my career. I'm closing a nine-year chapter with Red Bull, having had a lot of success in younger categories, as well as my five years in Formula One, my first win, podiums. I'm starting a new chapter with Alpine. It's a fresh start, end quote. So the question I have for you, both are young, both are very good. And do you remember the issues Checo Perez was having again and again with Esteban Ocon? I do, over at uh, Force India. Yes. But that added a little bit of excitement. <laughs> a lot of feistiness, a lot of com- competition. They, they just couldn't get their elbows off each other. So it was sort of annoying for the team principal. I am expecting more of the same between the two at Alpine. What say you? I think you're going to be right. It could be scary. You know, I feel bad for uh, Otmar. It's going to be a messy situation. If people thought Fernando was a handful, you put two French guys on an F1 team, mamma mia, that's a spicy meatball. Yes, indeed. So it'll be exciting. So now we come to our Wrigley segment, Double the Pleasure. Drivers who won their first two championships back-to-back, which Max has just done now. Ascari... Alberto Ascari, he was Formula One's first double world champion 
and to this day remains the last Italian to take the crown, which is very sad but very true. Second person to win his first championship and follow up with his second right away was Mr. Jack Brabham. Black Jack was Jack of all trades, winning his first two championships in 1959 and 60 with Cooper, and then in 1966 which in his own car powered by an Australian-developed Repco engine. And Repco stands for Replacement Parts Company. Next you come to your hero, Le Prost, Le Monsieur Professor Alain Prost. He is from the land that hosted the first Grand Prix way back in 1906, won by Renault on Michelin tires. Wow! To this day, he is the only French driver to become world champion, which is amazing and hard to believe. His second successive championship came in the season finale in Adelaide 1986. And that's when you say, good evening, Mr. Mansell. Now we come to All Rise, Michel Schumacher. His first championship came in Adelaide in dramatic fashion. Good afternoon, Mr. Damon Hill. On both occasions, Mr. Schumacher was driving for Flavio and his Benetton team. Next we come to Mika Hakkinen. Land of the Rising Sun saw the rise of Mika Hakkinen as Finlandia's only double world champion. Hi, this is Mika Hakkinen, double Formula One world champion. All the best for the Raiders F1 Weekly. Going back to back in 1998 and 1999. And now, all rise and stay standing. Machismo! On the podium, on a different strategy from here, but you have to say, worked well for him here today. Schumacher stopped twice, went long on the fuel at the start. Barrichello went light in qualifying, got himself up the grid. And Schumacher lost out really heavily in that first corner incident, didn't he? It dropped him right back to 17th place. The tyres there on the back of the Renault as they come out onto the podium. I think it's significant also that the Bridgestones did, did have better wear rate today, no doubt about it. Most of those Michelins are, were really struggling to get to the end of the race, so hopefully Bridgestone getting on it.
so. Who's your driver of the day? I think David Coulthard's got to be in with a good shout, considering the equipment he's got, as uh, Fernando Alonso receives his winner's trophy with a great big smile on his face. Yeah, I was going to say Coulthard. For me, he had a, a faultless drive. Let's hope it wasn't his fault in the pit lane. Otherwise, I think he could have been standing up there in second or third without any problem at all. He ended up just 15 seconds behind Heidfeld. And in, uh, for me, Coulthard, but Flavio then. They know that that's really taking the pressure off them, don't they, for the World Championship. The pressure is still there, but uh, Raikkonen was closing so hard and fast on Alonso, and uh, that could, that moment, that decision could be very pivotal in this year's World Championship. Nick Heidfeld, two second places in two consecutive Sundays. Well yeah. deserved. He's absolutely well deserved for the quiet man of Formula One. And there's a man. Uh, was used to being up on the podium. That's good news. That'll give Ferrari something to smile about, won't it? The two-hit wonder did what nobody else could do. And this is what I will remember him for. Not the number of wins or this and that. He shot down not once but twice the Red Baron in 2005 and 6. He was wet and wild in the Mile 7 Renault. Bravo, bravo from Briatore was order of the day. And then we come to Sebastian Vettel departing soon from Terminal 3. His first championship was powered by Petrov in Abu Dhabi 2010. Then came three more in a row. Bastian is now saying bye-bye to Formula 1 and I look forward to seeing him wearing his underwear outside the pants at a Greenpeace rally somewhere in Bali or Tahiti. So we're going back to Japan uh, for some factoid. The first Japanese Grand Prix in 1976 was at Mount Fuji Circuit. Much has been said and scripted about this race, so we are not going to rush into further details. Winner in heavy rain was Mario Andretti in his Lotus. This was his first F1 victory since maiden win in South Africa in 1971, which was a debut drive for Ferrari in Formula 1. Very impressive. The first Formula 1 Grand Prix at Suzuka was in 1987 and was won from pole position by Ferrari of Gerhard Berger. Second was Senna and his Lotus and third man is a gentleman who now resides in the US from Sweden, Mr. Stefan Johansson and today he is manager to IndyCar star Scott Dixon. There is a very interesting um, video on YouTube from British Formula 3 days where uh, Johansson is involved in a crash and he has such flowery language. And, you know, a couple of years ago, I, I ran into him at Daytona. I see him at races regularly. And uh, we had a little chat about that video. And uh, surprisingly, he was aware of it. In, this is very interesting, Mr. Rogers. The first ever race at Suzuka, which I'm sure most of our listeners know, was built as a, a test track for Honda. But the first race was... a for sports cars was run in 1963 and was won by Peter Waugh, who later went on to become team manager at Lotus and famously calling Nigel Mansell an uncouth brummy who didn't know how to handle himself. And another of his famous comment, actually even more famous comment, is declaring Mansell will never win a race as long as, as, long as he has a hole you know where. Most win in Japanese Grand Prix should not surprise anyone. Michael Schumacher, six. LCH has five. And McLaren is the most successful team in Japan with nine wins. Now, the only driver to score his maiden victory in the Japanese Grand Prix was Italian Alessandro Nanini in a Benetton. 
thanks to Ayrton Senna being disqualified after his infamous clash with the uh, professor in 1990. Now, apart from Fuji and Suzuka circuits, another Grand Prix was held in Japan called the Pacific Grand Prix, which took place in Aida Prefecture at a circuit now called Okayama. Winner on both occasions, 1994-95, was Michael Schumacher. And sir, the Degner Curve is named after a motorcycle racer. I believe the name was Ernst Degner. Um, he was originally from East Germany and helped Honda in the early days of the European adventure on two wheels. And it was around that corner named after him that he had crashed and was burnt and hurt pretty badly. So Honda repaid him by naming the corner in his memory. Oh, you know, he, I mean, he did not die, but as a tribute to him. Okay, sir, now we go land down under for Bathurst 1000. In Australia, it is called the Great Race. Our man on the spot was the original JB, F1 Weekly Familiar member, Mr. Jason Bentley. He sent me some photographs, which we'll, we will have on our webpage in the next couple of days. Kiwi Shane, Vaz, Shane Van Gisbergen, who has raced at Daytona here in Florida, took his second win on the Mount Panorama circuit. His co-driver and local legend Garth Tender scored his fifth win in this classic event. And you know, some years ago, we interviewed Garth Tender through the wonders of Skype. This is the biggest Australian motorsport event after the Grand Prix in Albert Park. Okay, sir, finally we come to Musical Mondial. Today we have a little historical Musical Mondial. In June 1963, a song reached the number one in the U.S. Billboard Hot 100. The song is known as, in the English-speaking world, Sukiyaki, and the singer was Q Sakamoto. Just like Sai and Gangnam Style, this song sold millions of copies worldwide. Sadly, the singer was one of the over 500 victims when a Japan Airlines 747 crashed into a mountain on a domestic flight in 1985. This is our humble tribute to him, and the wonderful nation of Nihon. Thank you for listening and please enjoy.